lady in show business, Ms. Judy Gold. Sussman at the piano, ladies and gentlemen. Bet Sussman at the piano. Okay, you know I have my favorite guests on Kill Me Now. I am so fucking excited. Ladies and gentlemen, I am proud, humbled, and pleased to present the one, the only, BD Wong! B.D. Wong is here, B.D. Wong is here, B.D. Wong is here. B.D. Thank you for, first of all, thank you for being here with your new hair. This is like my, my, I know, my, but your new hair. My wig. Fuck at this fucking thing at it. Like my wig? No, but it's so cool. It's so like, you could be like a cop in the 70s. Yeah, right. Right? Right, yeah. Sure. Have you ever played a cop? It's here and there. Okay. You better not give one more to answers the whole fucking time or I'm going to have to kill you. I'm, just now, wa I'm warming up. BD is, an, uh, I just want to say, actor, writer, director, author, wow. playwright, librettist, Tony winner, Emmy nominee. I mean, you're fucking everything. I am you do everything. everything. Um, it, this is a podcast, so no one can hear. But when did you get the new hair? Like the new hair is just fifteen minutes ago. I conditioned it for you. No, but it's been—it's just been growing. But it doesn't usually look like this. Like Anastasia, our friend, she saw it a few days ago or whatever. It doesn't look like this. But I got it all like. I fucking love it. It's really it, hot. It has no part. You see, it's a secret. But you know, you are a little upset. Like you have to deal with it all the time. I don't like it, really. You know, really, it's because I have to grow it. And it, and it just just recently got past the awkward stage where the, the parts that used to be buzzed on the sides right, 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 right. Got, grew out past the point right. where they don't look like they're just, like, sticking out. And so now it's kind of getting a life of its own. I like it. Thank you. Uh-huh. I'm in the awkward stage. Yes. <laughs> okay. Anyway. <laughs> BD, we... Um, you, I, you probably have never listened to my podcast. I have, yeah. You have? have? Yeah. I forgot who it was, though. Who was it? So uh, I like to, you know, talk about how people grew up because, you know, a lot of people don't talk about, you know, we, we want to learn about BD, also known as Bradley Darrell uh, Wong. Yeah. So you, you were... Um, do you know any of it? I know a lot of it. You do? San Francisco. San Francisco. Uh, born and raised. Born Parents, and raised. Um, you're the th a third generation Chinese American. Yes, very good. 
Your mother was a telephone uh, ah, company supervisor. Yeah, great. And your father was a postal worker. Yes. And you're the middle of three boys. That's right. That was the Jan. You're Jan. Yeah. Do you think you're Jan-ish? I don't think I'm Jan-ish. I think my my younger brother's more Jan-ish. Really? Yeah. But, what does but, he but, do? But he should, he would never, he's, I hope he's not listening because he wouldn't like oh, it he's for not me to listening. say that. Um, um, what does he do? He's a recently retired firefighter. Wow, that's hot. Yes, totally. And um, what about your older brother? My older brother is a semi-retired um, a, a former physician and he's a consultant um Okay, boy. Uh, no, it's no really, one gives it, a it's shit. very interesting, though, actually. It is? He's a bedside manner consultant. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. He teaches doctors? He teaches doctors and nurses how to get along and and, and uh, bedside manner and, and the... the um, no the, way. The ethics of, of, of uh, health care and serving the people that need it. Because Are it, you because it's, it's a really broken system, and, oh, and, and so he goes in and he like does retreats and coaches uh, staffs. And does he teach them how to deal with patients too? Yeah, there's a whole he has a whole you know theories, and he wrote a book. What's the name of it? Heroes need not apply. Oh, I think I like him more than what's his name? Yeah, Brian. Brian. Oh, are they all bees? Yeah. What's the third one? Barry. He should be the gay one, Barry, don't you yeah, think? probably. Bradley, though, I don't know. Yeah, Bradley's pretty gay. Wow, so he's a doctor, so... Yeah, I mean, you did win a Tony, and, you know, you are a fucking movie star and TV star. Do you think your parents favor him because he's... A, well, your father's gone, but do you think your mother favors him because he's a doctor? <laughs> well, I think she favors us all in different ways, yeah. Oh God! I'm so sick of you being. Perfect. No, I think she thinks she. I think the doctor thing was really important to them, and my older brother was older, and I was having trouble kind of figuring out what I wanted to do, and and that put pressure on me. Right. But then he they he became a doctor, and that was great for them. They they were very proud of him. Of and then, course. And then the, my thing let let the little bit of the air out of the tires for me. The stress of like right. what the hell? And I, then, I was going to be And such then a your loser. other brother was like, "Fuck it, I'm fucking gonna fight fires, save people's lives, and shit yes. like that." Yeah, that's right. I love your. So family. he get they he, my yeah that's right. They everybody has their own kind of thing. Right. So I mean, they're all individuals. Now, did you have your own room growing up? No. Who'd you share it with? My brother Barry. The gay Which one. Was, yeah. No. Yeah. I know. <laughs> The and, one that made me gay, yeah. And so that. <laughs> <laughs> and so did Brian have his own room? Yeah, and then Brian went to college, so then I guess we got our own rooms after that, yes. So yeah. Brian had his own room, and that's why he was able to become a physician. Because <laughs> he had space to study. And, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, was, okay. he was perfect, and still is very perfect. Like, really? Is he yeah, married? Yes. And Kids? he has two boys, yeah. And what do they do? One of them is a chef, and one of them is a um, a real uh, a corporate real estate. Um, it oh, works boring. for a corporate corporate real estate for. Um, so, as a young child, yeah. What part of San Francisco did you grow up? The in? The Sunset District by the beach. Really yeah. nice. My parents lived and uh, with my brother Brian uh, in North Beach near Chinatown, and then when we were born, we moved out to the avenues. It's called. And that's where I went to public high school, and that's where I, I, I grew up and everything. And was um, was it a 
suburb or was it more city-ish? It was sub- suburb-ish. It was, it was so like, like if we're in New York, what would you say? It's oh, Brooklyn-y? Brooklyn, like Red Hooky? It's, it's, it's kind of Queens-ish, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's, oh, it's Queens-ish. It's that place ah. that you see in the photographs near the beach where all the houses look exactly the same yeah, and yeah, they're yeah. very small. Did you live in a house or an apartment? In a house, yeah. Wow. A little house with a tiny little strip of lawn in front of each house. It's very, it was like a development. Right. Where, it was a development, where, but it, was, it, was not, it wasn't fancy. It was very like starter homes kind of thing. Right. So you, you started taking voice lessons at a very young age. Is that correct? I sang in the choir, the chorus, it was called. Me too. And can I say something? No. Okay. <laughs> so if you love, I was in the chorus and the band, I was a fucking nerd. Anyway. Yeah. And so right. I there's at, at a, high school or in junior high school or in middle school or whatever you call it. I was yeah in, in middle school too. Yeah. Like I started in like fourth grade. Anyway, yeah, fourth grade. That's yes, that's when you have school. to yeah. So it, by high school, when we would do choral concerts, yes, and then it would be all the um, country sopranos, uh, you know, on in the first row, and then altos. In yeah. the second row, and then the baritone and bass, right? The tenor and bass, right? Yeah. And so they, the, the um, there would be the sopranos would stand on the stage, and then there was a riser, riser. and then there was another riser. But you didn't have to stand. On I the didn't riser. fucking stand on the riser, yeah. and I was still taller than everyone. It's the worst. It's in the fucking yearbook. It is so depressing. Okay, the, but they can't the see floor? your feet. No, no, you. I'm on the end. Oh, and I'm taller than all the fucking girls who are on the fucking riser. Okay, but you okay? see, wait, wait a second. I was in elementary school, and I was the smallest person. This is seriously true. Yes. And I got put in the middle of the first row, and everyone went like this. It was like no an way. arrow pointing to my shortness. That's how I felt. Aww. Okay. Um, but then I got solos and stuff. Shut up. Yeah. But I got, we graduated grammar school in size order, and I was the last one to graduate. Aww. Isn't that horrible? Not if you were, it would be horrible. If okay, you I was six the feet. One. Okay, anyway. You it was, had. No, it was seriously terrible for you the whole time. Horrible. It was awful. Like you'd wake up and go, and I, another I, day of like being yes. the tallest person. Mm, I'm and sorry, getting called Bigfoot and Sasquatch. And, yeah. Yeah, it was fun. No, Who's that's laughing? terrible. Goddamn motherfucker. Um, you had a teacher in grammar school. I had several teachers. Okay, shut up. Who was instrumental in your desire to become an actor? No, I had... No, I mean, I appreciate this. This You're close. No, but you fucking... Yeah. No, no. Anastasia. You, you know, look, look she does way liar. more research than most people do, so right. she she gets she should get credit for that. Yes, thank the, you. The thing is that she my real my real like Mr. Holland kind of teacher was yes. in in high school my high school drama teacher. But in grammar school, I had a music teacher that okay. introduced me to music, and then that was the first thing that happened. What's the matter? Now, she's all right, right, she's right. Yeah. So. You got, were you popular? Like, what was school like? Were you just, because, you know, a lot of people don't know, BD has a very fierce sense of humor, and he's mean. I mean. So, um. And why? We get to the bottom of why now. Yeah, so, I mean, you have a very cutting, edgy, you know, where did that come from? I think it comes from the same part of me that wants to be an actor that likes to have a reaction from someone. That, like, yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah, a reaction. Yeah. And so, um. Uh, I, 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 so I think that's what it is. Like it's the fun, the fun part for me is just watching a person after you've said something terrible to them. Right. 
and just watching Did them. Did you ever you know. get in trouble in school? No, but I had a couple of situations where people would cry or something. And then, ah! I, and then that was oh not God. the reaction that I wanted. You know, and then I was devastated because I, I did not want to Did you people. apologize? Yes. Yeah. So, like, what? Give me an example. Suzanne Grodner. Jewish? I think so. Yes. Jewish. Yeah. Grodner's Jewish name. Yeah. From Burlingame. And she, that, that was in, uh, that was actually right out of high school. That okay. was in college. Okay. And um, I was, she was like, you know, my Anastasia. She was like somebody that I would just be really mean to. And I, I was much more, <laughs> fr- I was much freer about it then and much less sensitive about it. I mean, right, even less you, sensitive. Did you like her? I loved her. Right. She was and a very, she's a really super talented actor. We were right. in shows together. She was Minnie Faye when I was in Hello, Dolly, and I was right. Barnaby. And I was just like always, like, I think I just hit her too hard. And I, and, and finally she was like, she couldn't take it. And then I was, I, I was totally caught off guard because as a kid, I didn't, this is where, this is kind of why I kind of like am into like telling kids things, like spelling things out for them that they'll find out eventually, but right. you could spell it out for them. It right. would be easier. Like, this is going to happen to you. Try not to, like, get go so far that that happens. Like, so you know. do you feel... Because my son does it now, too. My son is very, very snarky with me in particular. Really? Yeah. He loves to just, like, bust my balls about Good everything. for him. Yeah. And so, you, but Jackson. I'm saying, like, I hope you don't do that the same way to everybody Jackson. because I will say that this happens every once in a while. Right. So do you think it was a coping mechanism, the snarky little... I think it, you know, first of all, it grew. Uh, it, I wasn't like that as a child. Okay. I was because I've met your mother, Roberta, who's the sweetest yeah, human being. She like is. she's like an angel. Yeah, she is. Yeah, and you are nothing like her. <laughs> I'm like her, like inside in some ways. Right, but I'm right, not right. like her. I'm, I'm sorry, it's really hot up here. I know. Um, uh, there are things about me that are like her. Of course, we're all like our parents in different ways. Right. But no, she's not mean to people. What was right. um, what was your father like? My father was impish. Really? My father was a little uh, Chinese-American uh, uh, guy who was really cried all the time. No way. Yeah, he was always very sentimental, and he loved to talk about why people should always get along. And, and the, the, but, you know, like, the, I'd like to teach the world to sing. You know that song? Yeah. I'd like uh, to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that's the Coke commercial. It was a Coke commercial. Yeah. Anyway, that was a so, big. So that was a big she, thing in the seventies. It Go was. Ahead. Yeah. Where's your husband? Okay. Go ahead. All right. Whatever. Oh, he was at the DMV. All right. Yeah. Which is terrible. Okay. Go ahead. So, do you? Do, I don't know where it came from. I was. I was very. Um, brainy and precocious as a child. And, and you were a great very, student. And I spoke in like perfect English all the time. And it, Can you it, speak it, Chinese? No, I can't. We moved. This is, a, this, is why we, this is why we moved. I mean, this is one of the side effects of us moving to the avenues was that we weren't near Chinatown anymore. I was Do thrilled. your parents speak Chinese? Or? Yes. And my older brother does. Oh, of course he does. <laughs> yeah. How do, you say, how do you say coronavirus in Chinese? I don't know. Okay. So, oh, you didn't like that? If I liked it, you would have known. See how mean he is to yeah. me? Do you see? This is the evil side of BD. It's not evil. Okay, so... 
All right, so you're, uh, do you have a lot of friends? Like, is going to school fun? I like, I fucking oh, okay. dreaded it so every I, goddamn morning. No, I didn't. I was, I, I until fifth or sixth grade, I was super good in in, in elementary school. I was like, kind of like. I think I was gifted, which is really, yeah. really dumb. Right. A label, dumb label. But I was given a gifted label, and then I got taken out of class to go do play Other, games and right, play, right. You know, make puzzles. We're going to observe Bradley. Yeah. We're going to observe him because he's then, so smart. And then, then homework started getting, there just started being more homework, and I wasn't interested in doing homework. So I You wanted like, to perform. I did. I wanted. I was singing, and I didn't know I did, but I, I, I liked doing creative things. And did your parents... I like to make things. I made things all the time. Like art? Like my mom taught me how to knit and I... Oh, um, I love Roberta. And she taught me, she was all into like 70s crafts. So we were always doing these weird crafts. So you bonded more with your mother than your father, you think? My dad took me to the ballet and um, my dad was a kind of a softie, you know? My dad was... Sorry. My dad was a a kind of a softie and so... And do you so, think you cultured. resented it? Do you think you resented that about him? That he was such a softie? No, I didn't. Oh, all right. I loved it. I loved the ballet, and I loved that he took me to the do you ballet. Do think he was kind of gay a little bit? I don't think so. I don't think so. My father was like I mean, that, you, too. I think it's a valid question yeah. for any of us, because, you know, you, you think about whatever. No. Yeah, my father loved the theater, um, and he loved opera, and, and uh, Elisa is always like, I think he was gay. I'm like, you never met him, and he wasn't gay. I love it. Um, You know I love my liquid IV, that I drink liquid IV pretty much every day. And I love it because it keeps me hydrated. I travel with it because it's in little packets. It tastes great. It's an amazing product. It hydrates better than water alone, three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drinks, eight vitamins and nutrients, non-GMO. But here's the best part. You know I've been bragging about Ben my son, Ben, who plays basketball, his team, his entire team, they love Liquid IV. I mean, they are number four in the nation. They are an amazing team. They've done better than ever this year. Dare I say it's because of the Liquid IV? I'm not going to say for sure, but I'm telling you, these athletes love Liquid IV. They love all the flavors, strawberry, lemonade. I love the watermelon. I never give them any of my watermelon. They have sugar-free, white peach, green grape, lemon, lime. It makes you feel great. And if you need a little caffeine, the the, uh, lemon ginger is beyond, beyond. And I know they use it while they're working out. I'm pretty sure they might use it after a game that they won and went out and had, you know, a couple of drinky poos. But that being said, I love Liquid IV. They're a great sponsor. They're a great product. And I honestly couldn't live without them. And it's winter still. You need to be hydrated. Hydration is very important. So weekends are for going wild, as you all know. Have a game plan for Monday. That's what you need. I just had this conversation with Ben's girlfriend. I said, if you're going to go out and party, you need a game plan. And what's your game plan? Liquid IV. Weekends or for going wild, have a game plan for Monday with Liquid IV. Grab your Liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free 
in bulk nationwide at Costco or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Superior Hydration today using promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, at liquidiv.com. You're welcome! So you were like, were you the most talented kid in your high school class? Uh, well, no. you know how there were like so many people in the musicals that were like, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna love you. And everyone's like, oh my God, she's so talented. You know, but there are rarely like really talented people in the musicals that are become fucking Tony winners. In high school, in a- I was, I was, I was um, Harold Hill. You were? Yeah. Wow. And um, Finch in the music, in um, How to Succeed. Okay. I mean, but I wasn't like that. I, w- I mean, I was super enthusiastic and very single track minded about it. And my teacher was really into that and wanting me to do it and go for it. And you got good grades. No, I didn't get good grades. You I was did an in average the beginning. Student. I got in, when in elementary, you're right. bun- jumping around like crazy. I, I, in elementary school, <laughs> Oprah, in elementary school, I was in, you know, one thing, which was, was really precocious and brainy. And then right. as soon as I got out of elementary school, it, I started not being barely less interested right. in school because I was interested in these other things. So you're going, you're in, uh, you're in the musical theater and yeah. do you know you're gay, correct? Yeah. San Francisco, 1975. How is it? Okay, so I I know I'm gay, but I'm in the fucking suburbs of New Jersey. Uh, And you can't be gay. So what is it knowing you're gay and growing up in a gay mecca and having it all around you? I can't even fucking imagine. It's amazing. I mean, I didn't know it was amazing when it was happening. I was right. afraid of it. Right. I thought, what is happening? I didn't understand. You know, and I didn't know that any other place in the world was different. Right. I didn't know that it was different in other places. So I, I heard maybe people talk about that comparison up to different places, but I was just in it, so I didn't know. And you would but see I guys could tell that, mm-hmm. walking down the street with their ha- like when you were in high school, people were affectionate. Yeah. yeah. But there was always that the thing that they always they, they still do now. You know how like there's the gay pride parade and then they put the freakiest person on the news. Yes, yes, yes. So there was always that like pu- pushing in forward the person in ch- in chaps and stuff right. like that on the street and like right. oh that's a, that's so provocative and stuff. And the normalcy of it was was very you had to look you had to be absorbed in it and go out in the world and pers- you know. To, to, to understand what it was, to, to appreciate it. Now, did your parents know you were gay? No. They had no but idea. But I, I also was, you know, it was an evolution of understanding for yourself. Right, what of it course. Is. Like you, put yeah. it, you push it aside and you think it's a thing that you can get rid of or right. any number of things. But I was super, I was super interested in sex. I was super interested in like reading about sex when I was like nine years old. My mom was really like forthcoming about like telling me about the birds and the bees and stuff like that and... And everything like, and, and then I went to the library and I was reading all about sex from a really early age so I kind of was r- looking for it or something. I don't know what right. it was but I was like really into it and then and I, I was were, aware that San Francisco was like a place where this was happening that's so interesting that your mother was so open like that 
Yeah, it is. I, I don't think of her that way now, actually. But my like mother she was, was the one not that, Judith. Uh, so what happens is uh, yeah. the uh, penis gets hard. Well, and, uh, she did then, do it. No, she, did she didn't. Oh, she did it. No, I thought oh. you had a baby, like you took a shit and the baby came out. I swear to God, that's what I thought. Yeah. No one told me a fucking thing. Apparently, my father told my brother um, and said to him, oh my God. this is how you do it. Um, I don't know much about your brother. Oh, you don't. My brother. You haven't said um, that much about your brother. He's a I, I CPA actuary. Lives in Arizona. Yeah. His wife's a dentist. Jewy, Jewy, Jew. Anyway, apparently my sister told me that um, my father said you can do it before you get married to him, and said to my sister, "You can't do it before you get married." Okay. Well. I know. This is folklore. Gold yeah. gold family folklore. So that's great that you... And so you well, would, She wouldn't have told me if I didn't ask her. I was like you, super like inquisitive. And I'm sure it made her uncomfortable. Did you, do you think you, um, you, you miss that, oh my God, I'm gay. How am I going to live my life? Like this, I mean, I remember thinking, oh my God, I have to be in the closet for my whole fucking life. I'm never going to... I'm never going to, you know, find love. You know, the, did you, do you feel like, the, and the self-hatred and the shame and the, do you think you missed that boat because of San Francisco? No, I had my own version of it. It was really, you know, it's such an uncomfortable feeling. Yeah. It's so, it's so, and yet I, I, set, I was set up for success, I guess, right. because I lived there. But I felt the same kind of. Uh, that gnawing feeling of not being normal. Right. And want, not knowing who you're supposed to tell or not tell and right. all of that stuff. And then feeling secret and uh, secretive and, and hiding things or whatever from your parents. I had this stash of Playgirl magazines. Really? My, mm -hmm, and that my mom found under the bed. No way! Yeah. And then I had to pretend or my I had to... I forgot what I did. I somehow my older brother tried to like bail me out or something and pretend like they were his or something. And cause he knew it was like, I was just so scared. What was he going to say? I want to be a doctor. I'm just well, studying no, anatomy. I mean, just like, Oh, he had all, well, because he had a whole subscription to Playboy. Right. So he was like, you know, whatever. And he didn't, I don't remember. It was really well, traumatic. Your How old were you? I was probably 13 or something like that. And what'd she say? I found there these. Was not, there was not much said, as I recall. How do you know this she is found like, them? This is all like now. This is becoming therapy now. Because no. I, I never talk about this. Um, how did she know? Yeah, I mean, how did how do you know she knew? Like, did she say? I something? think she probably. I think she was she probably like a lot of parents that knew about me. I was like knitting and stuff. Right. You know. <laughs> right. And in the and, music and in musical theater. Right. And, and so, but but for my mom. My mom has has selective, like a lot of moms, I think, she had selective um, comprehension about certain right. things. Like I was with Richie for many years, and they didn't. They thought we were like friends or something. Oh please! My you know, mother used to. Go. You know, like we would sleep in the yeah. go go to the room. We close the door, right. come out. They, you know, when they come to New York and stay yeah. with us. And then they were like, oh, you know, kind of surprised. When right. Came My out. mother would come to the apartment. We had Sharon. And I had one bedroom that had a day bed yep. and a desk 
and there was always the laundry on the daybed. And then there was another, this is before cell phones, kids. <laughs> and there was the one, one room with a queen size bed and alarm clocks on each side. See, now people can be in the yes, closet right. better because there's no alarm clock. So there was an alarm <laughs> clock on each side and my mother would come over and walk in, and, uh, walk in the bedroom with the queen size bed and say, I don't want to kick Sharon out of her room. I'm like, you're not kicking her out of her room. There's no clock, hello, you know, and... Yeah, but I so, guess you know, really to th- analyze it, unless you spell something out, why would somebody right, like right. go oh, there for you? Please. Well, I mean, we. I wait. Everyone called me Robert when I was a kid. <laughs> Who did? Me. I said I had two. Na- I went through a phase where I had to be called Robert or Ringo. I swear to God. This you mean is, you wanted to be called? Yeah, Robert Ringo. Called, the name you picked was Robert. And, yeah, and then and Ringo too, and then my cousin Elaine still calls Ringo, me Ringo. Ringo, I can understand. Robert, Robert. she calls call me. She still calls, and I cut my hair off, and yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, let's talk about that because, like, do you ever? <laughs> no, really, because I think about this all the time. I wore like sometimes I wore my mom's dresses and stuff. I like used that. to go home and yeah. put on my father's clothes yes, right. and ties. So, so then I, you start thinking at some point, or you look back and you go, well, at what, what is my, what is that? <laughs> What is that fluidity right. within me, and how? How is there a level that it stops at, right. or something like that? You know, and what and that, that process I'm, of, like, I'm not trans. Yeah, uh, you don't identify as trans, but then uh, clearly there's some kind but of. But there barometer. was something where I had to go home and put on yeah, men's yeah, clothes. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah, Bob. But <laughs> I knew, I knew that was a fucking bad thing to tell you. Yeah. I sh- as it was coming out of my mouth, I was like, fuck. So, all right. So you graduate high school and you go to San Francisco State University? Yeah, briefly. For like 20 minutes. For 20 minutes. And then you decide you're going to move to New York. Yeah. I had a, it was a terrible program for me. SFSU. Well, okay. I had this incredible teacher in, in high school. And then I went to... What was the col- teacher's name? Zora Chanis. Yeah. <laughs> Philadelphia Jew. Oh, I love you, Zora. Is she, she gone? Great. Is yeah. she gone? Bye, Zora. Thank you. Um, and you move to New York. Uh, and do your parent? Are your parents like you can't move to New York? No, no. They. She helped me get them to to get behind. Zora there. did. Yeah. She was all about the whole thing. She was about convincing me, and then she was about convincing them. So, and then you start working in dinner theater. I did work in some dinner theaters, yeah. Okay, what was that like? Like you're this. Well, it was free food. And and you know you're and at this point you're gay, 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 gay. You're yeah. in New York, so you're even freer to be gay, 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 yes, gay, gay. Yes, that's true. Uh, but it is the middle of the AIDS crisis, correct? Or no, the beginning? It's, the, it's right pre. Right. It's, when I moved there, it was right before. So there was like a free period between in the first half of the '80s. Right. Yeah. Um, so I went to the, I went, I came to New York in the early 80s. Right. And that's when it was just, we found a disease. It was, that's when it was coronavirus. There was a few year, years of where there was nothing. Like right. 81, 82, 83. Yeah. And then 83, 84. It, it started, started, yeah. Yeah. Like. Um, what, you're a young gay guy. You moved to New York. Like, I know what that was like because I lived in New York. Yeah. Um as a lesbo with gay male friends, you know, and, you know, going to these parties and thinking, oh, that one doesn't look so good, or uh, I wonder if... That party? That person? The person at the party. okay. You know, 
thinking what they're not they're, yeah, they, are they, you can't are make they, a connection to them no oh. I'm saying they look sick you know oh, Lynn, yes. oh thanks okay I didn't know we I'm were on sorry. that subject I'm trying to be very I thought you were clear. talking about being a young gay person being social okay no, so you're I'm talking saying about you, you're, you started to be reach, you're coming reach, you're, yeah, that's, the, that's the mid to late 80s so what was it like to me, that's that's a, a dawning that occurred uh, in the late '80s, where you realized the gravity of the situation. Right. Con- we were constantly going to memorial services. Oh, it and, was yeah. And and in the business of of in show business, there was just this um, incredible uh, frequency. Right. To this, oh my goodness, this is happening. In a very, it's actually really, you're bringing this up on purpose because of coronavirus, right? Because it's, no, it's, because I, mean, I, it is a very relative kind of like they think there was a time when we thought, oh, well, that's can't be right. that big a deal. And then it became a big deal. And then it became life changing, life threatening right. big deal. And it really informed the, everyone of our generation. Right. It informs our behavior and our choices and our thoughts. You know, there are lots of gay men that are still really, um, today very conflicted about um, condoms and things like that you know conflicted about what we perceive to be unsafe sex and what that means and and even though there are, there are kinds of sex you can have now that are different from the way that it was when we were in the middle of the crisis people are still conditioned they're still right trained. don't you think young gay boys are Oh, I don't need to do that. Or it's it's a it's not ter- a terminal illness anymore. Or, you know, I just feel like I think they do. They, yeah, I think some and of them are, and I don't I don't know what that part. it is. But if their reality is different from my right. reality, it's very different. Yeah, it was it sucked. Yeah. So you work in dinner theater, and then you go. I know. All right, this is how my brain works. You fucking yeah. assholes. AIDS dinner theater. Okay. You then. Go to L.A. to take acting classes. Okay, yeah. I mean, I mean you're getting the, the short version, but yes. Um, uh, what happened was I was doing the dinner theater thing, and I was doing a production of Joseph at... Um, we're waiting. <laughs> Joseph was Jewish. She doesn't know the music from... Oh, Oh. Do one song. One song. No. No, name a song. Joseph. Joseph. Yeah. Okay. Forget it. Joseph. Okay. Anyway. Fine. Oh, failure. Okay. Um, we uh, we have the same birthday. Yeah, they have the same birthday, and they're both mean to me. Okay. Um, um, uh, it's a mean sign. It's a mean birthday. It is. You know who's on my birthday? Who? F. Murray Abraham. Can you refer, refer to now as our birthday? Yes, our birthday, yeah. F. Murray. F. Murray. But you're a Scorpio. Uh-huh. So am I. Okay, so? So I'm not mean. <laughs> Shut the fuck up! You know I'm not really so, uh, mean inside, you fucking assholes. Fuck you. Okay. Okay, so I was in, I was in Joseph, and then I got... I got the L.A. company, the L.A. company of Lacage. And so I went to to, um, L.A. And so then when I was in L.A., I started studying with this guy, Donald Houghton. What's his name? Donald Houghton. Is he Not famous. Uh, I think that's a borderline, yeah. Okay. I don't know. Um, How'd you find him? I never even heard of him. No, he's not famous. I just said he's not famous. Uh, Okay, whatever. But, you know, I took acting classes. I'm not fighting. You did? Um, Shut up! 
Hey, everyone, you know, one of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which, yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity. And eating is better and easier with Factor. Factor, I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is delicious. It is great. It is high quality. And they are, when I say ready to eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen. They're never frozen. They're chef crafted, dietitian approved, and literally you heat them for two minutes. Every week you have over 35 options to choose from. They have calorie smart, protein plus, keto. I just did chef's choice. 60 or more add-ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep. There's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing and so convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. And you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great, delicious options with no cooking required. Okay? And factor is less expensive than takeout. So what are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me. I never lie. Factor is amazing. You're going to head to Factor Meals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, five zero. Okay? Judy Gold 50. And use code J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D five zero, Judy Gold 50, to get 50% 50% off. That's code JudyGold50 at factormeals.com slash JudyGold50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. You get M Butterfly. How? I was, I was doing like these bit parts in TV shows. Like, like, like what? Tell me. Like uh, Simon and Simon. And um, those are Jewish names, yeah. yeah. And th- those kinds of like those kind of like, networky play? shows. Like, I played the Photomat so- Boy and Simon and Simon. Oh, remember Photomat? Yeah. What? What? Like, what, did you feel like, oh my god, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I did, yeah, yeah, because I was, I was death, I was deeply afraid of 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 going of having to work in 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 stereotypical parts. And every time I got something that I could do without speaking with an it, accent right. or in going into that territory it made me feel successful. So I, and I did a few of them, so I right. felt successful. Did your agent like did you make that disclaimer when you went to like to your agent, look, I don't want to I was with an Asian agent with no. a, with only Asian clients. Oh. Who was that? Uh, well, the the the, uh, the founder of the agency was named Bessie Liu, uh-huh. and her she passed the agency on to this guy named Guy Guy Lee was his name, and he was the the grand you know the uncle of all Asian actors that and he handled most of them. Most wow! Of it was a big deal if you left him, you know, right? Because you you're him. disloyal. Yeah, 
And that meant you were going to like a regular firm or like a right. white, white, you know, agency or something. Like right. That. And he was really quite wonderful, but limited, but wonderful. Right. And, but he didn't have to be explained that stuff. Although in order to make a living, he had to kind of sell us down the river a little bit. Right. How long you were know? you with him? Several years. Okay. Were you with, so you were with him when you got M Butterfly? I was, yeah. And so you, were you shocked? Like, how did you audition? Yeah. How did you get, well, like... Well, he, he, um, a guy had said, um, they want, there's this play, and would you like to audition for a play? And I said, no, because I was doing the photomat boy thing. Right. I was playing either a photomat boy or, like, I was a Chinatown teenage gang member. Right. Or I was um, <laughs> a, a waiter in a Chinese restaurant or something right. like that. And I was doing a lot of that. I was like making a living. I said, well, no, I'll stay here and I'm okay. And then, but then I had always really been trained and geared for being on stage and I loved the stage and I wanted to be, I had always wanted to be in a Broadway play or whatever. Right. So what, what, what is this thing to tell me what it is? And so he uh, didn't have a lot of information. He got me the script and the script was a play written by an Asian playwright and I never had experienced that before. Right. Simultaneously, I was studying with Donald about this whole concept of being a messenger. Like his whole philosophy was, if you adhere to this idea that you're a messenger, then you don't make cho selfish choices for yourself as an actor. You don't like choose to speak in some fancy accent that doesn't, isn't appropriate, but you can tell from the script what it's supposed to be and you should stick to it and you should pretend like you were the person who wrote it so that you can kind of convey what it is that they're trying to convey. Right. And I was okay with that in concept, but you know, I, this finally made me understand as I read this play, which had an Asian American man's point of view, what that could be like. Like, oh, I can, I right. can sell this story, this, this I get. Because you, you had no representation as a kid growing up on television. I had television. no representation, yeah. Zero. Yeah, I didn't. And, and that's, that was part of the whole trepidation about going into it in the first place. And it, it made me feel like I was doing stupid, a, a foolish thing. Right. And it made me feel like, um, I was doomed, right. really. So any glimmer of help, hope that you got, you got, um, you ran with it. Right. So you had to audition in New York, right? Mm -hmm. So you fly back from LA. I fly to LA. I was doing this this little musical called Mail at um, in LA. M A L E or M A I L. M -A -I -L. Michael -A -I -L. Rupert. Okay. And um, a bunch of famous people actually were in it. Who? Uh, 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 Stokes Mitchell was in it. Oh, no. Brian. Um, um, uh, 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 I'm losing my. I'm losing my mind now. I can't remember. Okay, go ahead. But uh, Robert Mandon from Soap. Oh yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good. Robert, um, I love that name, Robert. Yeah. Uh, remember Soap? Yes, I love Soap. Love Soap. That was first gay. The first, first gay, gays. Yeah. yeah. Billy Crystal. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> so, so I, um, I was in this, the musical, I was like in, in like I had a little part and then I had to rush to the, had to arrange it so that I could come back and be in the, sh do the show that night. And I, and I went to have this audition. Anyway, um, I auditioned, um, in this strange, it was on theater row where it is now where all those theaters are, Oh um, yeah, well, but they were all shitty little like storefronts at that time. On 42nd. On 42nd Across street. Across the street from West Bank. Yeah. Okay. It was the Doug Fairbanks or the whatever, yeah, but they yeah, had yeah. little, they were not good then. Right. And they, and, and they were really cold and drafty and they were really old. And, and, and I had this audition and then I was called back for that afternoon. I was told to go have breakfast with the, 
um, director, and I I was very Wait, green you, about it. I didn't so understand what no, was happening. Isn't that the best? Like my, when yeah. you don't know because you don't give it any. Pa- you're like, oh, it's I kind cool. of, I yeah. kind of, I don't miss it, but I kind of. Yeah. I thought I was really. It was very. I was very naive about the whole thing. Right. I had a friend, Ray, who was a friend of mine from LA, that said, "I'm going to come to New York with you," and he kind of flew with me. You know, he on his own. Ray. Cochran was his name. So cock, were you touching his Cochran no. as well? No. All right, go ahead. But I wonder what happened Shut to him, up. though. What? I'm going to have to look him up. Yeah, say. Um, what, Ray, what Ray Cochran's doing. Anyway, Ray, Ray said, I'm going to come with you. And then after the audition, he said, well, how did it go? And I said, it wasn't very good because I didn't feel like I had done what I wanted so to do. You just walk in and they're all sitting with behind the table like, yeah. yeah okay. it's not that many. It was actually the director, the woman that was the composer, a few other people, casting directors and stuff like that. Anyway, I didn't feel like it went well, and I had worked my ass off with Donald to, to try to do really well. But then Ray said, well, what happened? And I said, it was not good, and I was really disappointed, and I felt really down. And I was really let down because the whole buildup of getting on right. a plane is, like, did you ever, like, test for a pilot? Oh, and yeah. You go, you go it's terrible. And you're like, oh, my God, they really want me. Yeah, yeah. and then it's over, and then right. before you know it, it's, there's no, there's, it's like jumping off a cliff or something like that. So, so I was very disappointed it was over and and then I said and he said he wanted me to come to the um, hotel and meet him for breakfast and so then Ray was like do you, you know hello you know yeah. that's like a thing and I said oh really that would happen like I thought it was just like a courtesy that right. you came oh, to yeah, town oh yeah because people are so breath. courtous yeah. in this right. business and it wasn't yeah. it was like he was really interested in me and so did I did you work on like being a woman like with your acting teacher yeah, yeah. sure well I had an instinct for it I had just done. I had a, a, a year or so before. I had, I had minimal drag experience in Lepage, right. and I and had a sensibility. I used to wear my mom's dresses and stuff right. like that. So I had this sense of me of that side of me that I never accessed before as a performer. But your body, like the way you moved your body in that show, I mean. You were a one. So is that when you decided it was not going to be Bradley anymore? It was going to be BD? Because I know you did that so no yeah, one would I know did. your gender. No, no. The, the, Stuart Ostro was the producer. And right. Stuart Ostro asked. Stuart Ostro. Yeah. Uh, God, this and is, you know it was like Ostrowitz-Bergstein before that. Yeah, go ahead. At Ellis Island. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he asked me if we could somehow disguise my name. Oh. And I said, oh, okay, um, I'd be fine with that. And my dad, my dad's nickname was Beauty when he was young. And so I was happy doing that because it was my dad's nickname. And then it never got, I was going to put it back afterwards. I was going to change it back because I thought, well, I'll just go back to it after the show's over. But then it just, it did It took off. Yeah. So you have no idea how big this show is going to be. But you're with John Lithgow. No, in fact, it was very dicey and it almost didn't come in. right. And, and I was with John Lithgow, who was a big star at that time. Right. Even. And opening night, is, do your parents come? Well, first of all, we tried out in Washington, D.C. Okay. okay. Now, not to belabor the whole story, but it, it, is, it was interesting because the show almost tanked. Right. Like they lost a million dollars. Somebody pulled out in the middle of it. They weren't sure if it was working. And I felt this really sent, strong sense of... Um, uh, pressure because right. I thought if it doesn't work it's because of me it's, if it doesn't if it, and how old are you you're like 27 seven. okay and and then um, I remember <laughs> one thing that happened was that 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 guy told me as, as we were getting ready for rehearsal that they want to put a clause in your contract that you'll agree to a nude scene 
And I was really like very alarmed by this. This is way before like right. alarming like Me Too or anything. We didn't right. know anything about harassment or anything. And I was I was very like put on guard. And then I said, no, I, I don't think I want to do that. Um, what is that about? They said, well, actually, David's rewritten the play. And he's rewritten the final scene with a nude scene in it. I said, oh, OK. So send me the scene. And I read the scene. I said, oh, OK, this makes sense. I will do this. And um, to make a long story short, the, 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 the director, John Dexter, who was notoriously mean, like 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 really mean, right. mean not like my, me, my kind of mean, um, n- promised me we'll stage the we'll stage the scene so that you're really comfortable and everyone will leave the room and 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 then we'll do it like we'll do it towards in tech or whatever right. so that you can feel comfortable about how you're going to position your body because you're not standing there like fully right. frontal nudity it's all kind of staged properly maybe you know it's not like you're going to hide anything but you're not going to no cover gonna, up and you're right. not going to and no it's one's going to it has see. to look exactly yeah. right and so i thought it was really great and we were doing the first preview of the show in the middle of the show at that when that scene came I thought we didn't do that we never did it I was always just thinking how I would do it and right. doing it the way I thought I would do it and I never really dropped trow until that, that performance wow in front of the audience yeah, I don't know how we got through the whole tech without it because it was like tech oh yeah you know it's just tech don't yeah. really do it and I so never really did it and then we were there in a matinee with a bunch of like 600 Old white hair ladies. Jews, no doubt. Yes. Bridge Club, Mahjong. I'm sure my mother was there. And yeah. The, and, <laughs> and 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 um, it, the, the moment came, and they, they had I had these I had these purple silk boxer shorts with pennies weighted in them, and I opened the snaps of the fly, and I dropped, I let go, and they just fell down, and. There was a big drum, uh, like a big, a big <gasps> like kind the- of um, musical cue, right. that, that stuff, and the show completely stopped for like five minutes, where people <gasps> screaming, screaming, like screaming, like what? Like a baseball game, like a like a someone hit a grand slam oh, or like, something. Oh, like white, like like it was like, like they just were they couldn't. I'm actually not sure why any individual person was screaming. I just heard screaming. I can't tell you why, right? I can't. All I well, can tell is like a baseball game. Well, because they thought you were a woman the yeah. whole time. It is kind of right. Why. Yeah. Well, also women. We know uh, it's women, not because it was huge. No, I mean women. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Shut up. You're not. No one's on my side tonight. No, I'm kidding. Like, no, I'm sure it's because they were like, oh my, because you're, we're so fucking great. Yeah, but also they were looking at my ass and that makes them scream. <laughs> you know, they see an ass all right. of a sudden where they didn't, where there wasn't, was, where there was not before. Did you, did John Lithgow? So we, so yeah. he's upstage and I'm downstage and I'm, my back is to the audience and he's up on this thing and I'm, we're just looking at each other for five minutes, like just going like this. <laughs> And he's he has to act. I don't have to act. Right. They can't see my face. So he can't start until they stop screaming. Yeah. He then he goes on with the play, and then and then so so that is the moment actually after a, an investor pulling out and all of this stuff. That is the moment when they knew the play would work, and that we this were is in. the moment. Anastasia was in it. Jekyll and Hyde. Wow, that's fascinating. That so. First preview. Did 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 you notice anything different from John? What do you like, mean? Like, because he had 
Well, oh, it was it was electric. Like it right. was like the, the the scene then from that went on. The the big meaty scene is after that moment, right. and then that whole scene played like like was it like amazingly, and then then was we knew that there was something to the whole concept of it. Okay, and it was a great relief. Now then we came to New York, and then right. there was an opening. Yeah. Okay, how was that? It was incredible because my mom and dad and you know we rode the. We rode horses in Central Park, and, you know, like we went the carriage thing and all that. And they, I put them in a room in the plaza, which was oh still a plaza hotel. Oh my God, hotel. you're such a good son. Well, they, we just went the whole. We did the whole. The whole. What about Brian and Barry? Did they come? Brian and Barry. Brian couldn't come. Barry and Doris came. Aww. And that was. It was wonderful. So you won the most awards, theater awards, for that part that anyone has ever won. For a Broadway role. I suppose if I put it in my bio, then I'm bragging about it. And then when you'd say it like that, I have to accept it. Yes, I, I would say. accept it. <laughs> it was. No one has won that many awards for a role since. I mean, that is fucking unbelievable. So you're at the Tonys. Okay. I, all right. First of all, the earring that you were wearing, I wanted to kill you. You wore an earring. Yeah. And I was I like, oh my God, if I wore an earring, he would totally fucking make fun of me. Um, you wore an earring. You you had brown glasses. I, I brown watched glasses. this whole thing the oh. other night. Okay. <laughs> Did I, I, you I, have any idea that you were going to win? Uh, uh, no, yes, no, no. You know, like I was in, I was pushing it away. I was pushing all, all like signs and signals away from me. And I would like go on these long walks by myself and try to like reset my my expectations. But when you when you found out you were nominated, I got myself into trouble because um, when I got the part, when I was re when I auditioned for the part, I told Ray, I said, whoever gets this part is going to get a Tony Award. I said, there's no question about it. Right. It's like it's such a fucking great part. And then I got the part, and I was like, oh fuck, I should never have said that. <laughs> and. And then I, I just, I really, de I desperately did not want to be disappointed. And I, 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 to this day, I am the same way about, about expectations, about opening nights or reviews, or I don't right. read reviews and stuff like that. I because know. I feel that that's, it's so separate from the actual work that you're doing. Right. So it, it, it tends to fuck things up. Right. When I, if I've read a review, I've done, I've learned my lesson. Then every time I get to the point, the part they talk about. Yeah, yeah. You're, all you do is think about that. Yeah. Um, so you're sitting there, and they say B. D. Wong, and yeah. you're 27 years old. Yeah, which seems old to me now when I think about 21 year old people and stuff like that. Oh right? my god! What? What? Did, but I was. What? Like, did your heart? You like? Because you you ran up to the stage. My my yeah. I, my date was Brian, my brother. Oh. Who couldn't come to opening night? Okay. So he, this was, this was, this, this was the payback for that. Okay. And he was a leveler. He was really there because I was saying, we're going to have a good time. We're not going to talk about it that much. It's not that big a deal if I don't win. It's, it should actually be the expectation that we don't win. Right. Okay. All right. Okay. Fine. Are you good with that? And he was like, yes, absolutely. And then I, I see him every once in a while, like apparently like praying or like, oh. kind of like I'm thinking, oh, you're ruining this. 
So, but anyway, they call. I don't remember. Did I just remember a... running and going. I don't want to. Tr- I don't. You know. I just. But remember. you didn't pull out a piece of paper or anything. No, and I went on for like what feels like twenty minutes. No, it was short. I I, I remember it being interminable. Thank you all so much for listening to part one of Kill Me Now with my friend, B.D. Wong. God, that was fun. Make sure to tune in next week for part two, even more fun. If you like the show, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. It helps more people find this amazing show, and the reviews will be should be five stars only. That's it. That's the only review. That's it. Listen to the following dates to see if I'll be coming to a town near you. On March 18th, God willing, I'll be at Homocomicus, which is at Gotham Comedy Club in New York City. On uh, April 24th and 23rd, that's the 23rd, 24th in New York City at Joe's Pub, Varla Jean Merman and I will be performing the Judy and Varla show. It's so fucking fun. It's going to sell out, so get your tickets. Join me on April 30th. Well, if you're a Jew, at the North Country Reform Temple, Shabbat Shalom, in Glencove, New York. Lastly, I'm excited to announce I'll be part of Netflix's Stand Out, a comedy festival. I'll be performing on May 1st at the Greek Theater in Los Angeles. You can get tickets for all of these events at judygold.com. That's J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D.com. And a lot of exciting dates will be announced in the uh, very soon. So stay up to date on all new dates. Make sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at... Judy Gold, that's J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D, you know, like Jew Gold. (laughs) I'm pretty funny. So um, thank you all so much for listening. You're the best. And as we always say, so long! Don't forget to tune in next week to Just Kill Me Now. Um, let's just kill me. Don't forget to turn for part two on Just Kill Me no, it's not. It's just, just kill me. No. Judy Gold's Just Kill Me. Just kill me now. Just kill me now. <laughs>